How hard did you push it? Till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. Welcome back, Municipals. This is Chris. Homie Ashton here. We got a couple other guests with us this week. We got our buddy Chris Hussey. Our producer Jack is back. We're talking SoCal trip numero dos. All right, guys, let's get into it. First, let's introduce our newest guest, our buddy Chris Hussey, a friend from RGC as well. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Municipals. Uh, yeah, just excited to be on here. Appreciate everything you guys are doing, highlighting the local public courses, and uh, you know, happy to be good friends with you guys. For sure. All right. Yeah, we we just got back a couple days ago from our SoCal trip, Numero Dos. Um, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, we we had a few uh, weird things happen towards the end, which was mainly on me. Um, one thing was I broke a crown uh, on my tooth and pretty much fell out of my mouth. So. That was sick. That was the night before uh, our Rams Hill round, which I unfortunately had to miss uh, because of this little dental emergency. Um, and then uh, my wife, unfortunately, had, not unfortunately, we had our honeymoon, um, late honeymoon a year later in Carmel. And unfortunately, she um it didn't it wasn't as severe as we thought but she rolled her ankle um and has a mild to high mile or high sprain on it and it was really bad she ended up being in a boot we had to uh take her to the er it was big old scene but she she's getting better that happened right before we were leaving for a trip about two or three days before we were leaving for a trip so um, little interesting lead in and little uh, interesting outro to our trip, but all in all, great trip. Um, let's get it started. Uh, first round we had was uh, we drove, we left Wednesday night, drove down to um, where was it, Ash? What was where was our uh, our hotel? I know we couldn't stay in Ohio because it was just impossible to find find a hotel. But was it Ventura? think so uh we'll call it ohio adjacent i think the closest hotels i could find were about 30 minutes away from soul park because as hussey just told us apparently ohio is an ordinance where uh you're not actually allowed to do that so yeah we were about 30 minutes away at a la quinta which not perfect but certainly did the job it was what we needed i mean we just needed a place to rest our head for the night to be able to wake up and and tackle the uh, gil Hans monsters that we had coming for us the next day so um, let's have our guest started out. So our first round, we woke up Thursday morning, uh, headed out to Soul Park. Hussey, what was your experience driving into that parking lot, you know, checking in, getting ready to tee off? Wait, I, yeah, I got to jump in. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I got I to <laughs> pause on this. No, 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 no. We have to start off with the fact that we had Chris's tacos combined with seeing the co-founder of Apple. We, we cannot... Go straight okay. in this. Okay. We're talk about the woes, right? So I'll start there. I'm sorry to cut in, Chris. Not, I know that's your no, job. No, all good. I jump so in and talk about I, the woes. You know, I, I skipped. So, you know, we Wednesday, we left uh, the East Bay. On our way down, I decided uh, to ask the guys if they wanted to grab something to eat. 
Hell yeah. They for sure were hungry. So we grabbed some of the best tacos in the Bay Area at my buddy's uh, restaurant that I've known pretty much my whole life. Jalisco Mexican food down in San Jose, Campbell area. It, if you're ever down there playing some golf, stop in, support Jalisco's. I mean, these these tacos are incredible. I mean, you're not going to find a taco that tastes like these guys. They're incredible. So anyways, we stop in. We order, I think, 12 tacos for the four of us. Um, when we pull into the parking lot, we <laughs> we see this guy with four, four white poodles uh, driving a Tesla, the most ridiculous scene you've ever you've ever witnessed. Pulling into the parking lot probably right after we did, pulls up right next to us. We're like, who is this guy? This, I mean, this is just a scene to be seen. Like it, it is, it's absurd. And so we get out of our car and we look at the, we look at the license plate. And I don't know if many people are familiar with Teslas and these new like license plates that they have, but they're like these electronic license plates. And so we look at it and it says, woes. And so I've known the owners of Felisco, like I said, my entire life. And Henry, the owner, has always told me that Steve Wozniak, who, if anybody doesn't know, listening to the pod, this, he's a co-founder of Apple. I mean, big time, like, if, if you live in Silicon Valley, this is like one of the biggest celebrities, you know, around. And so I was like, no, there's no way. So I, I, I didn't even put two and two together. And we walk in and I see this. This, this gentleman, I don't know if anybody knows what Steve, Steve Wozniak looks like. It's very easy to pick out with Steve Wozniak. So right in front of us, plain as day, Steve Wozniak, and I, I'm assuming his girlfriend, not sure if it's his wife, whatnot, but just just ordering ordering some Jaliscos, you know. It, I mean, interesting way to start our trip, to say the least. So, um, you know, a- after that, you know, we, we ate, scarfed our tacos down, eyed Wozniak, you know, pounding some enchiladas. And then we got back in the, uh, the rental van and, and drove down to, uh, drove down to Ventura. Um, next morning, woke up, drove over to Soul Park. Hussy, let's get your take. What did you think of Soul Park driving up that morning? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we, we got in super late, and I think we had about four hours of sleep, um, and we had to get up super early. So, you know, Ash and I, we got the whoop strap, and uh, our recovery scores were abysmal uh, that morning. But, you know, we, we got ourselves ready to go, and uh, as we drove in, you know, I, I mean, the fog was just hanging over this course. Absolutely beautiful um you know there was a bit of frost all over the place but um you know there was no frost delay and and we just we turned up and they said you know there's not many people out here um whenever you guys are ready uh have at it and you know we 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 did and i don't think any of us were disappointed in fact this was probably the biggest surprise of the trip oh yeah fresh out the car no warm-up you know (laughs) i think all of us were just juiced to get out there so none of us even though we had the time we could have warmed up a bit i don't think any of us cared everybody just wanted to step up to that tee and 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 hit one hard so i mean that 
that tee box though was so inviting when it whenever if anybody has played soul park you kind of walk up through this like corridor um the pro shop is on your left straight straight through the corridor is the is the first tee and it's just the most inviting like elevated first tee that you're that you're ever going to see you just step up to it very open uh tee shot and so we we all stepped out there and i think we were all just like yeah let's just tee it up and 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 get this get this trip going uh ash what was what was your thought uh for first thoughts at soul park yeah well we got there i think there were there were a couple there was like one other guys who like were kind of our age who pulled in and i think we all thought there was gonna be a frost delay but i don't know i mean this is probably me projecting it's how i felt but uh it soul park to me feels like kind of a destination place and so to kind of see people who were our age who were there super early it was really kind of exciting to clearly see people who were it felt like we're there kind of in a destination way very similar to us but like Hussey said, I think it was just, it was really beautiful. The fog was incredible. Walking in, you know, I expected the place to be slammed. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but when I see $34 walking Gil Hans, I just would expect to get a super packed um, T-sheet, which probably I think happened later in the day when we were making the turn. But when we could kind of walk in and the guy was like, hey, the first group went off, but you guys can kind of go whenever you want. It just felt like the vibes they were already high going into that day or as high as they can be after far as asleep. Um, we're even higher. And I think to, to kind of your point, uh, Chris, I think the first hole, I've actually thought a lot about the first hole. I was just telling my buddy, Nick, who I talk to every Monday, it feels like kind of a classic Gil Hans, right? I was thinking, I've been thinking more about our trip and where it's like, if you hit a hybrid off the tee, kind of see the green, you know what you're getting where you like on me, I went down the hill and hit the speed slot and then immediately you kind of like, I was super uncomfortable. Like I chunked a wedge because it's like, where does this go? And I was like, oh, this is Gil Hans. And I think that that's just, it felt really cool on that first hole to be like, to look out and to kind of see this very beautiful, uh, this very beautiful course. And then just immediately after your first tee shot, it's like, yeah, there's going to have to be like, it's going to be Gil Hans on your first time. Cause I'm sure we're going to go play there again. Like we'll kind of know what we're expecting and that'll be fun. But there's something about like going to especially a Gil Hans course like that and to not know what's coming and to like have those moments where you're feeling uncomfortable. Um, I really liked it. And as kind of Hussey said, I mean, we've played rustic before, but soul park is the one that's like already stuck with me. And like, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. My big thing with Gil Hans is, is he kind of, I fucks you. Um, like, and, and the way you say that is like, he deceives you hole in and hole out. You, you think the flag is playing short. You might think it's playing long. You get up there and it's in the middle of the green. And, and that's all based on how he does his bunkering, how, how he, you know, can, can make hills and, and undulations that hide the flag and hide the hole from you. And even, even approaching into the fairway from a tee box feels that way. A lot of times you'll, you'll be deceived if, if you don't have like an actual, you know, laser or, you know, something to actually pin the, the bunkers, you really would think bunkers are further or shorter than they are in the way that he designs his courses. So that's really where he, he gets you and and messes with your head. Like the first hole isn't a beast. I mean, we played, we played the, 
the T's one up from the back. So it, at Soul Park, it's really sick. They name all of their their T boxes or their their uh, markers oak, orange, avocado, and lime. I thought that was very SoCal, um, you know, very you know Mexican vibes, which is so sick for for a course like that. Um, so we played orange. It's only three eighty two. Uh, to start it off with the par four. So I don't think it's, you know, it, you're not biting too much off right off the bat, but when you, after you get down there and you hit, you know, into more very inviting fairway, like, like you said, Ash, it was so difficult to, to figure out that uphill shot into the, into that green. Cause it was just so deceiving on where, where you needed to land it false front on that guy. So you, you couldn't land it short because it was just going to come right back at you. Cause if you've ever played a Gil hands track, he doesn't really give you fringe. It's just the fairway rolls into the green. You can't tell when, when one ends and one starts. So it's just, it, it, it was definitely a pleasant, you know, beautiful surprise on that, that first hole. And you come down, down that hill right off the tee box and to your left, you, like Hussey was talking about, you had the fog coming right off the water on the little pond lake they had there. It was, I mean, just incredible. The sun rising right over the hills um, in the mountains over there, it was, it was just a picturesque sight to have, you know, to start, to start our, our trip. And then, and we should say it was cold. I mean, oh, like, I, yeah. I know that, like we first were like, hour was freezing. We were legitimately worried about a frost delay. I know being on that first tee, I think I I, I had my uh, rechargeable hand warmer, and then I gave you my other ones because it was. I mean, I, I would say that like forty ish, like maybe high thirties. Like I would say forty. So like I know that like I didn't like feel good about my hands to, like the fifth hole, um, and that's always kind of a hard way to start your day when you've hit no balls. So Hussey, now that you've played multiple Gil Hans tracks, um, what would you say separated Soul Park from from other uh, Gil Hans track that you've played? Uh, it's it's a good question. Um, I think I mean, face of it, it's it's simply the cost is 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 very different. Um, you know, while Rustic is still fifty five dollars, um, you know, Soul Park was you know thirty. Um, I think it's interesting to learn a bit more about the history of Soul Park versus Rustic. You know, Rustic, Gil Hans, and Jeff Shackelford and Jim Wagner, they designed it and built it from scratch, whereas, you know, Soul Park had, had been around since the 60s. And, you know, this was, you know, I think they, they, they read it in like the mid-2000s after Rustic. Mm-hmm. And just, just seeing like, you know, I, I read this article on the Friday where it showed a before and after photo of different holes, and you get to really see what Gil Hans does. And, um, you know, what we were just talking about the first hole, and, you know, everyone wants to rip driver because it's 382, you know, might as well hit a driver. But as Ash found out, you know, when you have a 60 yard, you know, wedge, you know, you're hitting your 60 degree off the tightest of tightest lies, which is a signature of Gil Hans is, you know, you're as your second shot on a really, really cold morning. That is not fun to do at all. And uh, I think we're starting to realize and, and learn that Gil is not out there to make you happy. Sometimes he's out there to make you miserable. 
And, and I mean, we've all learned, we've played enough kilohants now to know you don't take a full 58 or 60 degree shot ever. Like his court, you never, like there, you just, there's never really too many, you might have one option coming out of the rough over one of his bunkers sometime through one of the rounds. But in an approach shot, I mean, you're better off hitting knockdown wedges with, with any other wedge, you know, sand wedge gap, you know, pitch, whatever you need to do to get it up there and hit it short and let it run up because we all know yeah. they don't check and stop either. So, you know, it's, it, I don't think I've played sets of greens like Soul Park or Rustic and, and Gil Hance designs a, a type of green that I've never experienced on any other golf course. It's just, it's it's incredible, you know how how he gets his approaches and his greens to to match the way they do. So, um, Jack, favorite favorite hole at Soul Park. What do you got for us? Oh, man, that's kind of hard to decide. Um, I think looks wise, the one with the the pot bunker, which I think was. Was it five? Yeah, I think five was the one that had the uh, the giant or not pop bunker. I'm sorry, the uh, uh, punch bowl. Um, the that punch was... bowl green with the uh, with the mound in the middle of the fairway. Um, yeah, number yeah, five. That, that was easily my favorite hole um, as well. Two part, two reasons, or I guess one. The big reason was that punch bowl was super cool. I wish we had played it twice that day, but um, that was really the first time it clicked to me how like Gil hands tricks your tricks your eye. I think we were talking about it on the tee box, tee box, and I was like staring at where the green would be, and I was staring at that pimple right in the middle of the freaking fairway, and I was like man, like, I can't tell if this thing is 500 yards or a thousand yards away. Like, I was like, am I going to hit, like, driver, driver, driver into a par five? Like, that was super tricky looking at it. Um, but the other two favorite holes were definitely one, like you said, Chris, it's super welcoming and it's, and it's just a really cool view. I have a photo of uh, Ash and Chris just walking down the, uh, the cart path and, like, you can see the lake steaming uh, in that, uh, you know, as the sun was rising. So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, 16 was, uh, just super fun for some reason. Uh, it was great. Not three. Yeah. The hole itself was pretty fun, but just, uh, I think all three of us, like it was me, Ash and Hussey trying to hole out and finish that hole was just super funny. So, uh, definitely partial to number 16 there, but I, th I think those three were my, my favorites, especially because of number five. What about you, man? I mean, five was, five was one of my, my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, I love a golf course that starts the back nine on a par three. I, I'm a little bit of a sucker for it. I think it's kind of a cool, you know, little quirk that you can add into a golf course or to make it a little different than others. You know, us out in the Bay Area, if you ever play Monarch Bay, they start off a little par three right along the right along the driving range. And it's, you know, kind of a nice, easy way to kind of start your back nine before you get beat up a little bit. Um, but I, I, I really dig a par three and it was a really cool elevated tee box down to this, 
you know, green slopes uh, back to front, left to right. Um, and it was just, I, I really enjoyed it. It was just, it wasn't a difficult 155 yards, cool little par three, uh, but it was really, really enjoyable and, you know, a great transition from the front nine to the back nine. Um, Ashley, favorite hole. Uh, if you're going to put me, okay, that's a cop out. You asked me the question. I'll say, if you ask me, you just asked me, uh, I'm going to say, it was asked. asked. Uh, I really like number nine because I think that number nine is another example of options. Like I was talking about this today. Like, I think that the best part of golf is the golf architects who give us a lot of options. So nine for our listeners, there's basically fairway bunkers in the middle, like right where you kind of want to hit it. The further you go on the left, the farther the bunkers are away. So if you want to hit a longer club, you should aim it more to the left. If you're willing to, you know, hit a six iron off the tee, you go more to the right. And I think what I also would really help me understand that hole was we all played it very differently. Hussey caught a driver and actually flew the bunkers and like, he will admit this right now, that is not the play. There's no room up there. There's not a big advantage, but like, it kind of is like, okay, like what was like 270? Like, you're like, I, like I can get up there. I was like, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to hit a hybrid, aim it at the left bunker. And I think I rolled in by two or three feet and like, I should have hit my lesser hybrid. But I think that that's the kind of hole that like really, like the reason why I've been thinking, like I've not stopped thinking about Soul Park because we left or since we left because of holes like that, where it's like, I could hit an easy hybrid, a little bit of an easier hybrid and hit it farther left. Or I could hit a six iron and go left. Or I could hit, like I could, there's five different tee shots I could hit on that hole. And then y'all can attest to this. I mean, I still think about like, you're very, you're absolute gentleman when you did a hussy, but the way you kind of lit yourself on fire on that green, like that pin was way up in the front but there was like a ridge in the middle, there was swale in the back. Like there are so many combinations of like the like tee boxes, like that hole was super different if we played it oak back, right? Very different if we play up. Like there's so many combinations of how just that hole, different tee shots. And, and let's actually just keep it our tee. Like if we just play the same tee as orange, I could have hit a driver, my hybrid a little easier, another hybrid, a six iron, and if with that pin, I mean, that green was, help me all 40 yards, like your approach shot suddenly becomes much longer. And those are the holes that really kind of invigorate me where like Chris, you and I have talked about on some of our podcasts where some of the courses we play in the Bay Area, courses that I, I enjoy playing, but it's a lot of like, I'm gonna hit a driver, I'm gonna hit a pitching wedge. And like the green's pretty flat. And like, if I miss the green, I'm gonna chip it on. Like you almost go on autopilot. And that like number nine is a good example to me where it's like, I mean, if you go on autopilot, like kind of I did, I remember I got up on the tee box. I was like, I'll let a hybrid. It's like, you know, two something up there. And I hit it in the bunker and I kind of screwed myself, you know, but just the fact that like you could hit five different kinds of tee shots. And then from there, if they move the pen, they have so many different options because it's such a cool way that, that, that Gil Hans built that green. Those are the kind of holes that really like invigorate me and like, I know right now like we've actually talked about it for a future golf trip going to Soul Park and playing it four, five, six, seven times. 
they're not going to do this, but if they were to like move the tees a little bit or move the greens a little bit, it would be such a different hole every time. And I just don't think we play enough golf courses where there's that amount of diversity on one hole. So number nine really sticks out to me. And for our listeners, it's only 347 yards. So we're not talking, it's not like that hole is long or like, there's no, like, you're not going to hit it out of bounds. You're not going to hit it in the water. You're not going to hit it in the fescue. It's just a fairway. It's kind of a deceptive hill with bunkers and kind of a crazy complex. And the fact there's that many options where it's not just like we added water. It's like, no, it's like, it's really smart architecture, which allows us to really as players have so many different options. That's what I really appreciate about number nine. Well, and that's kind of like all the par fours that you really experience with Gil Hans too. Like on, on Soul Park, most of them are between, you know, 370 and 420 at the max for all those par fours, which, I mean, if you decided you wanted to rip a driver on every single one of those par fours, they're very gettable birdies. And, I mean, if you're that accurate, you can you can hit the mid fairway every time. But what's great with Gil Hans is his bunker placements, um, you know, the hills and undulations that he plays in the fairway, you have no clue what your ball's going to do when it lands in those spots. So even though you can hit one of the best shots you think you've hit all day, dead center in the middle of the fairway, just like on number five, you could hit that, that pimple right in the middle of the fairway and it's just going to shoot off left or right. And, you know, in those type of things are what make you really enjoy you know stepping up to those holes and going okay well driver isn't the play is it going to be three wood five wood hybrid three iron like you have no clue you know depending on your bag what what you're going to play on a lot of these holes which is just in my mind you know it creates a course in an environment that you can come back to over and over again never get bored and and that's what i've gotten with with soul park and then also leading into our next course that we're going into. So right after Soul Park, you know, we packed up, drove, drove about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, uh, down through some of the most beautiful hills and canyons. I think, you know, any of us have you know ever been able to drive through. It was, it was a pleasant, pleasant morning. You know, finished a great round at Soul Park, got in the got in the van and headed through these you know, gorgeous canyons until we, you know, hit, you know, our, I would say our home away from home for, for us at, uh, in municipals is a uh, rustic Canyon. So pulling up there, all four of us have played it before. Uh, Hussey played it on his own, on his way to Arizona when he was uh, doing a holiday trip last year. So he got to, he got to experience it on his own. Jack, uh, me, and Ashton on our last SoCal trip got to play it one and a half times, um, which was, you know, an amazing experience and why we had to include it in this this golf trip. So, Ash, getting getting out to rust again. How did you feel pulling up, seeing the holes? I was excited. I, I will say, this is not saying any reflection of my that, that I don't love rustic but I was just talking about it with my buddy I think it's important just to say out loud that like rustic canyon is a really hard golf course and the more I think about playing there a third or second two and a half times whatever 
it was just a reminder of like, this is a really, really hard, hard golf course. And my, what I would tell people playing there for the first time is two things. And this is pro- probably all make us better golfers. One, play one tee up more than you think you should, because there's going to be wind and the Absolutely. holes, there's going to be holes that like are just incredibly overwhelming, even if you're playing from one tee up. And certain holes, which, you know, this is not fun for someone playing there for the first time, but when you play there and kind of know what's going on, there are certain holes where you need to realize that if it's a par four, the par is actually five. Like the hole that sticks out to me so strongly is number 11. I think it's like, we can pull up the, the distance on here, but it's like 420 yards up the hill. Every time I've played it, the wind is like slightly in our face. Um, and just like, it's just a really, really hard golf hole. So look, I love Rustic Canyon. I think it's a really, really special place. Uh, but I think the big thing that coming off of now playing there for, I'll say three times, it's just a really, really hard golf course and it's really fun. And to your point, I think that like the back nine is like really special, but (laughs) the back nine is also absolutely kicked me in the face. The three times I've played it, it's just a really hard golf course, but it's masterful. I mean, the greens are, I will say like to just to be honest to our listeners, the greens were not, I mean, you, you, you told us that it's because obviously the season, the greens were not what they were last time. Last time the greens were like glass. This time the greens were a little shaggy, but in some ways that felt good because I mean, anytime the golf course is giving you something at Rustic Canyon, please take it because it's going to kick you in the face in some other way. So I don't know if that resonates with y'all, but it was a really a reminder of like with fresh eyes coming into that course, it's like, Rustic is just like a real challenge of golf. Cause again, also too, as we know, wind is sort of every golfer's nightmare. And there's just certain shots we're hitting where it's like, cool. I got to get up here as a grown man and hit a six iron into the wind. And like, if I had a bad shot, I'm going to get exposed. And there's not many times you feel that way. Again, playing a lot of like driver wedge flat golf in the Bay area. There aren't a lot of times where it's like, cool, man, like on the back nine, the hardest hole in the golf course, like this downhill, super hard hole, you know, like me and Hussey both hit like, you know, we thought we're good drives. Nope. Lost them both in the Canyon. And then it's like, Oh, you're going to drop. And then you need to hit like a five iron onto a green. That's like, you know, downhill. It's like, you're just going to make double. And there are a lot of courses where, you know, it just requires two excellent shots for you to make par. And I really appreciate that rustic, but it also means like, do I want to play rustic every day? Very honestly, like, Probably not because I'm not good enough, but it's a really special place. And the Rustic Burger, 10 out of 10. Oh, I, I'm a hot dog guy, but that that burger gets me every time we go out to Rustic. I, I That's the one course I think I skip skip the hot dog and go straight for the hamburgers. That thing is, that thing is money every single time we go out there. Um, and most people have heard our takes on Rustic Canyon. We kind of went in depth on it on our, on our last trip. Uh, pod and but I do want to definitely get uh, Chris Hussey's take one thing that we've heard a lot about um, is some people think that the routing should be reversed permanently at Rustic Canyon I've heard that take from multiple different different people we got to experience that this time around which was kind of sick so we started off our round on hole 10 Hussey what what did you think about the reverse routing and and starting off on 10 well, lucky for me, uh, the first time and only time I'd played 
rustic prior to this trip. Uh, the routing was as we played it. So I've oh, only okay. played the back nine as the front nine. So to me, at Rustic Canyon, the back nine is the front nine. I've never experienced it any other way. And I agree with you. I think it is the better way to do it. Um, I think, you know, I prefer getting kicked in the teeth first and then having a really good time afterwards on the back nine or the front nine, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, I think um, the first time I played Rustic, I, I was lucky to have a, a Sherpa to kind of tell me and show me the way. And, uh, you know, it was it was still, it was a little hard listening to someone else's uh, guidance because they don't really know your game. Um, but this time, having played the course, I knew on 10, I couldn't hit driver off tee. I did it the first time. And I even spent $5 on a yardage book just to be that much more, you know, uh, comfortable in my decisions because it's a course where you need to make the right decisions. You know, like on 12, super short, uh, par four, you know, 320, 320 yards. You can hit a driver, sure, but you're going to be left with a 20-yard super tight lie uh, pitch onto a green that is impossible to stay on. So it's like, what do you really want to do? Do you really want to do that? As we've learned from Gil Hans, you know, hitting a 60-yard you know, lob wedge into a, into a green is not usually the answer. So um, it was just, you know, I, I think maybe after five times playing rustic, we'll probably understand what to do. Um, but we're just not there yet. No, have not reached that. I think that hole I hit, I didn't, that hole, I, there's no way I'm not going to hit a driver. I've, I've sat at that tee box three times. Now, every single time I've ripped a driver this time, I decided to do driver to hybrid 20 yard chip and that worked all right for me. So I, I guess I just got to get creative on some of them. I, and that's one thing I've learned as well is you're going to definitely hit shots at the Gil Hans courses that you, you probably have never practiced or practiced very little. Um, and you're going to, you're, you're going to have to get creative and, and, you know, deal with situations differently than you do on most of your local tracks. So it, it's, it's going to throw you for a loop and, and be prepared to be completely drained after that round, which I think all four of us with the four hours of sleep that we had, the great morning round we had at soul park and, and unfortunately not being able to finish fully at rustic, we got 15 holes in. So that, that was a, that was a good thing. Uh, but unfortunately it seemed like every group in front of us was just, destined to slow down i don't know understand what what happened we we're we we're chugging along until we got to the back nine and then or aka the front nine uh for this round and it just came to a screeching halt and it was a whole it was yeah. literally it was like molasses it was so slow going into the last five five holes yeah. that we were able to play and one thing i want to say is like we'll uh we'll we'll get there when we get there but we're gonna like part of what we've committed to doing on this podcast is telling our listeners our actual experience right like sincerely there was nothing at soul park like pace of play was great staff was great like we're not, we're not just saying this like make stuff up like our experience at soul park was as good as it gets well actually we should have said this 17 and 18 two pretty boring holes there's effectively 16 amazing holes at soul park 
17 and, 8 can be, 17 and 18 could be different, whatever. We loved our experience for $34, shut up and enjoy the course, right? The one thing I will say about Rustic in this situation is I wish they had one Marshall, right? Like I'll give you a quick example. I was at Harding Park today. I played uh, on the 11th hole, I think. A guy who worked there drove by and said, Hey guys, just wanted to check pace of play. We noticed that you know you're a, you're a little closer to the group in front of you than the guys behind you. Are they doing okay? Like how's pace of play? We're like, we haven't waited on them at all. He's like, awesome. We just wanted to check in, make sure things were okay. Drove away. First of all, my thought is, why doesn't every course have this? Like that's a guy just going around checking on pace of play, right? But I would say for Rustic Canyon. I don't know if it's stacking tee times. I'm not going to hypothesize what it was, but I was pretty disappointed. Like Chris, you can chime in. What time was our tee time? Like we, we should have one. We have one thirty tee time. We should have uh, finished that round. I will say, really should have finished. I, I don't love that. So let, again, speaking, we we love Rustic Canyon. They got to do a better job making sure that if you're teeing off at one thirty. If you play in four and a half hours, you finish round. That's all I'll say. Right. I think we need to like make sure we speak honestly about the courses we're playing and speaking on that i mean we we had the same tea time the next day at terra lago and we were able to finish our entire round and they wanted the carts in by 5 30 which it was six o'clock when we left rusty canyon and we still had three three holes left so or four holes left so you know that that kind of was a bummer and I thought our round was pumping along, but for some reason, the back nine or the front nine, whatever you want to call it, definitely just come, came to a complete halt. And, and not having that marshal or just someone coming around to check on things, especially on a, on a, you know, on a course like that that gets as much play as it does, no matter the day and time, it, they need somebody out there checking on people and getting them going, especially because the last time we played, um, they, we wanted a morning round early and I got a little upset because they dictated how fast we had to play. So, but then they explained to us that it was to dictate the pace of play for the rest of the day. So I thought that was great. And I, you know, I assumed that was because they had marshals out there and made sure that that pace of play stayed throughout the day. But our experience, you know, was a little jaded just because we we paid full rate and didn't get our full, you know, full round in. And that was that was kind of a bummer, I think, for all all four of us. So and it was a Thursday. And Chris, and if I may interject, I mean, I think, you know, Ash didn't want to hypothesize about that pace of play issue. I think I have a hypothesis, but I'm obviously no expert. You know, you look at uh, what is it? Hole three, drivable par four. And then you have, you're going straight into a, a par three, and then you're going into a par five. You know, every, you know, no one's laying up on the par five. So everyone's waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and then you're just going into another par three. So I think maybe the only criticism for Rustic might be just how they have those holes routed. Uh, Absolutely. Where, where it's just, it's, it's goading. And maybe this is, you know, Gil at his uh, at his prime, just being like, "Come on, try and drive the green. Come on, good luck." So, you know, I think maybe that's just the one one issue with Rustic. And that's absolutely true. And that's the issue on the front and back. Um, they they definitely have that issue on both sides. Uh, I know on the on the back nine, uh, there's 15 
16 and then 17 and that really really slows stuff up right there it just because you know 15 is a very very short uh par par three 16 is something that's an elevated tee box that everybody wants to bomb long so everybody waits to hit their hit their drives on that one and then you go right back into a par three again so it's just it, it's kind of a clusterfuck all right there. And it happens the same thing when you get to three and four and five on. And then even when you get back down to six um, on, on rustic. So it's just, it's a big old cluster. And, and I, I think you're a hundred percent, you know, on the money with the, the routing being it one of the biggest issues at rustic for, um, you know, for pace of play. So anybody that does go out to rustic, I will highly recommend getting out there within the first five to 10 tee times in the morning. Uh, I would say that was our best round that we ever experienced at Rustic. It was the best, I, best conditions that I've experienced as well. It, it's just the best way to go about playing Rustic. So if you're ever going to do what we did with the Soul Park, Rustic Canyon, I'd probably swap it. Um, hopefully Soul Park doesn't get backed up like that in the afternoon. Uh, we, we got to experience it in the morning, which again, we were the second tee time to go off that morning. So there was no waiting, ab- absolutely no waiting at all for Soul Park for us. But yeah, if you're gonna do Rusty Canyon first thing in the morning, that's that's the go-to way of doing it. Um, so after, you know, that exhausting, you know, 15 holes at Rustic and, you know, our 18 before that, we got back in the van, we had an epically long three-hour drive down to Palm Springs from there for our next round at what I thought was going to be a cush, easy, uh, resort-style golf, golf experience at Terra Lago. We all definitely got the opposite of that. We all got kicked in the face by both the South and North course. Um, Again, we got, we got to Palm Springs late. We only got again, five, maybe five or six hours of sleep in before we had to drive out to Terra Lago. So we were all a little, you know, sleepy eyed when we arrived. We didn't have too much time to get breakfast that morning because we woke up a little late. So we arrived to the course thinking, hey, it's a resort course. They're going to they're gonna have a little breakfast spot open. No big deal. Roll in, check in, in the pro shop. The guys are getting stuff out of the car. I, I check us in. They're like, yeah. So our we have a little setup downstairs. It doesn't open until 8. So we tee off at 7.30. So obviously we're, we're grabbing the little coffee that they have right next, right next to where you check in at the pro shop. I grab a little, you know, Swedish Danish that they got sitting there and we went on our way uh, halfway through the nine, stopped, grabbed some of the best food, which we'll get into as well. That was, that was one of the best experiences of our trip, but all right, guys. So woke up that morning, went to Terra Lago what were your guys' thoughts kind of driving in, seeing, seeing the range, how the course was kind of set up, these different, you know, different styles. It was completely opposite of what we experienced the day before. I mean, it was, it, it looked like apocalyptic style golf. It was in my mind, it was in an insane 
sight to be seen when you rolled up to this golf course? Yeah, it was uh, South was, um, I think, kind of for me, set the tone of like how surprising the golf, the whole complex was. Um, I thought it was, I mean, the fairways were great at one and then the greens were great at another which honestly I, don't, I didn't have a, a huge complaint at both but it was very surprising and um definitely challenging uh first couple holes in the south course i'm just trying to find the here it is um first couple holes i really like the aqueduct that cut across almost a whole the whole golf course i think it only place that you didn't see it on the south course were like three four five and then maybe a little bit of seven you can't really see it but uh, I thought it was pretty fun and challenging the fairways undulations kind of surprised me as well because it's fairly um, you know it's challenging but it's something that you don't typically see at a lot of courses it was it was pretty linksy, I would say, uh, which was fun. It was kind of like a a link style fairway in the uh, in the desert, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and the greens were definitely uh, definitely challenging. Um, bunkering was pretty cool too. There were a couple of spots there where I was like, "Oh, it's kind of odd," but then you get right next to that bunker and you're like, "What?" Or you know, get right next to it or get in it and you're like, "Oh wow!" Like now I can see why they put this here. So. I thought South was pretty, um, pretty surprising and set the tone for the rest of, uh, rest of our experience there. What'd you guys think of the South course? Yeah. Like, so you had a good take when we got in the car after our round, you, you asked all of us if we've ever played the game fallout, um, new Vegas and it, the course, if anybody's a video game person, it, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic video game, uh, centered in the desert. And th this course, it's just, it's, wild when you pull up to it like like jack was talking about there's a aqueduct man-made aqueduct rolling right through the middle you know just cement walls with water running through it all the bridges are box railroad box cars cut up that you drive through to get hold to hole and you have to keep crossing this aqueduct on these box cars and it's just it's it's the most wild bizarre interesting golf course that i think i've ever played in every hole had a um had a specific name to it i know on the south course the the par three on the back nine was called star wars and they they just had these like interesting fun um you know quirks to the entire thing and it was just extremely enjoyable um i would definitely say the north course was way more prepped and in better shape all around but to be honest the south course i think was still one of the most challenging and fun you know tracks i've played in a really long time um hussy what was what would you say your experience on the south course when we when we you know got there and that being the first you know little taste that we had of the golf course or both of the golf courses yeah, I was I was really surprised because my I've never played golf in Palm Springs and I've always, you know, thought of it as, you know, pretty flat, pretty manicured, just, you know, you know, they're they're building a golf course in the desert, so they're gonna use a ton of water and all this stuff. And and the South Course wasn't really like that. There are these massive dunes, these natural sandstone dunes 
all over the place. You're playing up in them. And, you know, at, at some points, um, you know, you're, you're 50 to 100 feet above, above your, your fairway. And it's really interesting and, and um, something I was very surprised about. Um, I think the South Course was definitely uh, not in as good a shape as the North Course. Uh, the greens were uh, better, but the fairways and the, and the rough weren't. Um, you know, that, that aqueduct we, we keep bringing up, you know, I think it's, it's kind of cool how they incorporated it into the course. You know, uh, on the south, um, the second hole was a 380, almost 400-yard par four. You know, it's our second hole of the, you know, of the day after having only another four or five hours of sleep. And, you know, I have to hit a five iron to a tiny green that, you know, you go anywhere left and you're in this aqueduct. And, you know, kudos to Mr. Jack Lopez over here sticking a six iron to about three feet um, for his third shot of the day. It's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, Jack off five hours just goes par par right off the bat. South course just <laughs> lighten it up. We won't we won't talk what happened after that. We'll leave it there. That that was that was a great little start. But but we'll just we'll just let's leave, just say we'll just say just, his round we'll just leave it there. Let's just say let's just give the audience a perspective on that. The only other hole that I parred was uh Star Wars, which was fitting enough. Which is hilarious because I think I played ping pong on that court on that hole. Oh, man. And that was I, epic ended up on the left side bunker which i hope someone listening to this pod has or will experience terralago south course star wars hole because i i want to tell the designer to just go fuck the write off because that that hole was just the most penalizing thing i've ever experienced it first off groundskeepers of terralago if you ever listen to this, please throw a little extra sand up in that in that bunker. It, it was insane how shallow that thing was. You, I'm 15 feet below the green, and I'm hitting off of deadpan sand trap. Like, this thing was absurd. So I, I literally hit back and forth over the green three times, picked up my ball, and called it a day. It was just the most penalizing experience I've ever had missing a green and I was so frustrated but also wanting to come back so hard and just just slay that that hole and and stick one right on the green because it it infuriated me but yeah I mean it it was it was an incredible experience I think the south course was a great warm-up I we uh, my boy Ash here on the first par three on the south course the the hole was called cliffhanger so kind of explained a little bit about what this hole was so we were at a slightly elevated tee box to a postage stamp green this thing was tiny with no lead up up to this green you had a little bit of room to miss short uh but if you missed anywhere right the, the whole name definitely let you know you were going to be off a cliff and your ball was gone. But it was cool that we noticed that on that hole was that they had kind of a little, they had cameras set up at all their par threes. What was it, Ash? After I hit it. <laughs> yeah, we noticed 
after you hit it. And then none of us had, had great luck on many of the other par threes with cameras, but um, they basically had a thing. Was it 2,500 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. So if you got a hole in one on any of these holes, they had camera proof that you could win $2,500, which I thought was kind of a cool little add in uh, to the, to the whole golf experience especially for us because we all love to play cash games and and do little you know games on the side so which i think we played skins that day and ash and hussy just mopped up me and jack it was it was pretty miserable when it came to when it came to uh skins for me it was hate just, that for you guys just hate oh, that. it was it was not a good day at terralago for for jack and, and and big C. It well, was, actually, well, to, to jump in, we should start off. Do you, would you like to tell what happened on the first hole, Big Chris, or would you like me to tell that story? You, you can tell the story. You, you can definitely or, tell or, that. Or maybe Hussey, maybe you, because like, I oh. didn't realize what had happened. Like somebody, somebody who wasn't me realized that Big Chris hit my ball. No, Big Chris realized he hit your ball. <laughs> so what happened you tell was, the story then, what, what happened was, was that uh, we I was teed tired off. and a little bit high and hadn't had enough breakfast. Yeah, and... A little, little bit of mix of everything. And the day before, all I played was yellow TP5Xs the entire day. So I, I, I switched to the TP5X picks that day, walk, get, to the, get into the fairway, walk right up to the first yellow ball I see and just take a big old swipe at it. While the ball's in the air, I look back <laughs> at the entire group and I go, yep, just hit just hit somebody else's ball. It definitely wasn't mine. And so that that's how I started off that round. And it kind of went that way throughout the day. I I was half asleep, just just you know, kind of going through the paces until I was able to get myself a little breakfast burrito and then hot dog at the turn. So by the way. Hot dog rating a three point three. They 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 did what I've always said. What you do not do to a hot dog, and they filleted that bitch, put it open face on the grill, and murdered it. Straight murder. They lost they lost big points. Luckily. The ladies that were running their little turn shack that they had going on up the game big time because first off, the breakfast burrito was insane, super good in the morning, definitely loved that, and heavy pours. I'll, I'll give every single person running a turn shack pouring drinks for people, give them a little extra, just a little, just a little, just a little bit of touch. They will absolutely come back and love you 10 times more, tip you better. Just a tip for anybody running, running the turn, running the bar at any golf course. Just, just give them a little bit extra on top. It, it goes a long way because these ladies were on point. I know I mean, from mine, I think it was either it was either Chris or Hussey, but one of them, she I ordered a margarita and she said, Would you like that strong? I was like, uh, a question I've never yes, been asked. Never, never, ever, ever, ever. And I was like, yes. And then she made me a very strong margarita. And that was a delightful question to be asked at 9.30 in the morning after, you know, eight hours of sleep in two days. So love that. These ladies were on point. 
right right off the bat with a smile black blasting um pitbull blasting pitbull just getting the vibes high it was, it, it, guys for, for those of you who watch professional golf it was bryson at six yeah our, our hands were up we were yeah. cheering. We were this celebrating was waste, this was waste management this is this is all this is partying golf resort style this is what i i want to experience every time i go play it, it, it was strange because that music and that vibe just definitely did not meet that clientele no, <laughs> but no. we were all about it we were fucking having a great time oh my it was god mr I, Wor- I, mr worldwide vibes was uh was in the full effect i mean i just kept like i we were saying that our mask like ordering our food and like these strong drinks and i was like you watch these like very old crusty men and again going back to the honesty chris you can tell the experience about what you had in the pro shop like oh guys <laughs> we should talk about how chris booked our tea times on the wrong day right that we, yeah we so let him also, off the hook. did i not chris only booked. did i not only hit ash's ball on the first on the first hole but when i go to check in hate that i booked our tea times the same day i booked rams hill tea times which were saturday so rolled in, the guy looks at me and he goes, yeah, you're not on the T-sheet. And I look at him and I go, you need to look again because I'm damn well on the T-sheet. And so he looks again. While he's doing that, I pull up my email and I go, oh, shit, we're not on the T-sheet. Our tea times are for 7.30 Saturday. And so he looks at me and I go, can, can you help a brother out? Because if I walk out to this van... And I tell these boys that I don't have a tea time today. I might, I might get crucified. So he, he looks up and he goes, "Yeah, no worries. We'll keep the same. We'll keep the same tea times. Uh, just check in with me when you get back after your first round." So props to props to the guy in the morning. It was a different guy in the afternoon. Guy in the morning was very helpful, very friendly enjoy you know enjoyed our little you know banter back and forth because i was an idiot and and he hooked us up with some you know coffee and everything so it was good start to the morning after a little you know mix up of the tea times and and all that but it, it was a little different the second time around when i went back in there different guy at the, at the, um at the counter of the pro shop Check back in with them. We bought this deal on golf moose. If anybody's looking for good um, deals for golf, we paid $169 for two people with carts for 36 holes that day. So, and, and that's just incredible deal. They've got insane deals across the country. So if you're ever looking for a solid deal, golf moose wouldn't hate a sponsorship, but um that that is uh that if you're ever looking for a deal golf moose is is the shit we we definitely love that 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 deal we were hooked up with but went back in the pro shop guy definitely did not like want to help or work with me at all for a second round i i told him the guy promised us around so then he finally you know looked it up found slot us in at 130 for the north course so we were able to get both both 18s in but was a little upset with the customer service on the second time around. Um, and even with the starter, uh, it was a little, a little awkward. Didn't believe me that we even had a tea time. So he had to get to call into the pro shop and then they had to look us up. It was big ordeal. So 
if I can say anything about the course that they could streamline that process, if you're going to have a deal like that for replay rates and everything, should make it a little easier on the customers when they come out for that. But that that's a little man, that's a little nitpicky. For for the most part, we really really enjoyed Terralago. I mean, that place was absolutely epic. So for first course, South Course, I would say we all agree. The conditions were not as good as you would expect at a resort course, uh, especially a lot of the options that you have in Palm Springs, especially in the area of Terralago, very close to the West End and the PGA West and all of these really, you know, high-end, nice, nice courses, which I wouldn't say Terralago wasn't. It was definitely a nice course, but the South Course was definitely let go compared to their their what they called their championship tournament course, which was the north one. Uh, it from what they told me in the pro shop, they decided not to overseed the south, so that was kind of an explanation of their their conditions, which they overseeded the north, and it was very obvious because it was lush and beautiful, and there was nothing bad to say about the conditions out there. Um, so stepping off experience, what were you guys' favorite experience at Terralago, non-golf related? Bloody Marie's for me. Those are fucking bomb. Another shout out to the uh, the ladies at their concession stand there. I really wish I remember those ladies' names because they were they were the light of my life for that for that day. They were awesome. Even though they filleted your uh, filleted your hot dog, and totally all is, and all is forgiven. All is forgiven for the heavy pours in the good breakfast burrito, so they they definitely made up for that. Uh, I'll I'll let that one slide. Usually I don't let a uh, massacred hot dog go, but these ladies were were on point for sure. That's also the name. That's your stripper name, massacred hot dog. But massacred hot dog. Mm. I, I'm gonna answer the question. I'm gonna answer that like the vibes were great at the turn, but I'm gonna answer the question golf related. I think that Terralago, I don't know what I expected, but it's not what we got. Like those, I think the bigger thing was both of those golf courses were so much harder than I thought they were gonna be. Like coming off of Soul Park, especially Rustic, I remember again, like I just said, feeling pretty beaten up. And Chris, this is not dunking on you, but you were like tomorrow palm springs terralago resort golf i was thinking like can't miss a fairway lots of birdies and like i think it was like i forgot what hole was i looked at y'all and i was like maybe it was like nine i think nine was like i mean there were really hard holes before that but nine was the number one handicap hole hussy three you hit it into like the north course over the aqueduct we all i think we all made double or worse and it was like i was like where are we playing golf? Like it's like 460 yards down the hill and just like sand and aqueducts. And like, it's just really, really hard, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, very similar in a very, very different way than Gil Hans. I feel like we were battered, battered and bruised and the course just kept poking our bruises the whole day. Yeah. Like just, just aggravating our cuts and bruises from the, from the day before. And it just yeah. they kept opening all of the wounds that we we had that were not even healed yet. So it just it just seemed like every corner we took, like you said, that ninth hole, 
So hard. had to have been. I'm not. I'm not lying. That had to have been the hardest ninth. Even it could have been the 18th, and it would have been probably one of the hardest finishing holes of any nine or 18 I've probably ever played. I mean, it, Chris, I, I think you said in the moment. I think you said the South Course is like one of the hardest courses you've ever played. Didn't you say that? I think easily by far. Yeah, like like it. it and especially expectations so versus reality. Like I expected that to be like a cushy resort course. And then that course was like very hard, like very hard. Yeah. I mean, you look at the ratings, the ratings completely raw. I mean, the South course, the tees we played 70.9. No way. It's, in, it's incredible. Like it's, it's so much more difficult than that. Like, I played Harding today and the rating was almost 72 and Harding is so much easier than that course. Yeah, See, for sure. That's, that's, well, I mean, that could be a whole podcast on its own with USGA ratings and, and how, how they rate courses and stuff, because you can't just rate courses based on distances. I mean, narrow fairways and, and, you know, hazards and all these things come into play so heavily, especially for 90, 95% of golfers in the world, you know, these course ratings might relate to somebody that, you know, is it scratch handicap or better, but you know, these, these hazards and narrow fairways and undulations matter way more to the average golfer than they, than they do to, you know, your scratch or, you know, two or three handicap or below, you know, so it, it really, the course played so freaking difficult, especially with all the man-made hazards running through it, like we were talking about, and, you know, narrow fairways and and the bunkers that were all natural, you know, fescue, natural sand that was just, you know, very rocky and, and you know, uh, I would say a landscape that none of us are um, privy to in the Bay Area or experience on a regular basis. So, for someone that doesn't play a lot of desert golf, that place is also going to throw you through a fucking loop. Uh, I mean, the the differences hitting out of natural fescue or natural sand, especially sand that was, I, I can't tell if this place was like a sand mine at some point, but it definitely comes off of the vibes of where they, they, they definitely might've like uh, mined sand for other purposes it just, it looks manufactured a little bit in some of the sand areas. Um, so I would have to look a little bit more into that, but it, it just, the sand consistency is something that you're not going to experience in, in a lot of other, other places, even the, the natural sands and stuff that we experienced at rustic weren't anywhere near what we experienced at, at no. Terra Lago. Yeah. But to, to answer your actual question, I mean, I know we've said this a lot, but especially for the vibe of this podcast, it was really cool to have like, you know, because I think what we are so allergic to is that idea of like, you know, collared shirt, stick, like rules of golf. Yes, we're not Patrick Reed, but, you know, like not being like super buttoned up, right? Um, and like to have like Pitbull and carne asada burritos and like very stiff cocktails, like there was just like, a whole they're like when we were getting breakfast the first time or in the gap in between breaks when we were getting more cocktails there was just like so many times where i was like looking at one of you and being like fuck yeah like this is dope like this is Bro. this is 
awesome. All like, I gotta why does say, it just exist everywhere? All I got to say is at this, this is how chill the vibes were there. That in between our rounds, Ash takes his shoes off, takes his socks off so that they can dry out on the concrete and is walking around the, the halfway house area down by the cart barn barefoot getting drinks and you know enjoying himself and frozen strawberry one- margarita in Bro- hand no shoes <laughs> yeah you're right but the vibes were <laughs> so worldwide great. playing yeah i mean they the, most courses you go to or places that you might be at are going to immediately come up to you and go sir you need to put your shoes back on and or just like you know the they just allowed people to be themselves we definitely could have showed up in t-shirts and shorts and there wouldn't have been even a question for us to like be able to play or not play. It was just a very laid back atmosphere other than the little bit of, you know, crotchiness that we, we got from one of the pro shop attendants, but unfortunately um, that that's kind of what you're experiencing. A lot of, a lot of golf. There's, there's a bunch of those guys, but um, the, real question, every- the real question is crotchetiness, or as you said, crotchiness nah he definitely was like an old crotch just like a jock strap anyways we'll, we'll leave it there sounds gross <laughs> um so you were, were acting like an old jock strap he was, he was acting like an old jock strap so we do have to mention the island green par three Oof. super hard we haven't even got there yet. So we haven't even got to That's the That's true. Course. We're not even on the so, north. But get up right at your this, boyfriend and meet me at the so, hotel room. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. So after, after uh, we were entertained by Mr. Worldwide and some frozen margaritas, Ash puts his socks back on, throws his shoes back on. We head back out for a second round of the day. Uh, Mr. Jack had to do some, some uh, fun stuff and... Uh, our Airbnb made him go all the way back to check in. So that was a that was a last minute uh, thing that we had to deal with. But Jack got back in just the nick of time for us to tee off, loaded up, ready to go. Uh, first tee, uh, I would say on the north course, it was like night and day compared to the south. Lush, beautiful fairways. Um, I would say the most wide open fairway we might have seen other than maybe 18 on this course. Um, but it was still uphill, challenging as hell, you know, natural stand surrounding you. It just like the South, the North challenged you on every turn. It was, it was so difficult. What would you guys say? you know, your experience to compare the North and South? I, it was definitely greener, uh, but the greens were definitely worse. It it was very weird. Like it was just to have two golf courses that were very like, to use my SAT word of the day, were very juxtaposed. Oh my goodness. Juxtaposed. Good Lord. No SAT word for me. Uh, University of Georgia graduate right here. Um, yeah, so I thought the North Course, like the conditions were better, but the greens were pretty crunchy. Uh, but honestly, I, I found both courses. I thought the North Course was maybe a little bit easier, but I would just encourage people to go play both. I mean, I think that they both offer very different things. Um, the 
the South course, and maybe this is condition wise, but the South course felt a little bit more rugged where the North course felt a little bit more like, even if conditions were the same, the South course felt more rugged. I don't know if that makes sense to y'all, but I think the, the, the South course all kind of blended together, but I just generally thought it was really hard. I will say there are certain holes that really stuck out to me, like the downhill drivable par four. I think that was number two, four, three. Like there are certain holes that stuck out to me a bit more on the North course. But again, I really view these two as like, if you're going to go play, play both. Cause I think they both, um, regardless of conditions, are both very challenging, but are really kind of great tests of golf. Absolutely. I mean, they, they both had their, their plus and minuses, but they, they gave you a well-rounded um, experience uh, in two different, two different completely realms of, of golf. And I appreciated definitely both of them. Hussey, what, what do you, what would you say big differences that you might've seen between the two? I mean, I think, you know, bunkers in the North course actually had sand in them for one. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, definitely they pay more attention to that North course. And I think that's simply because, you know, it has that uh, gallery finish right, right in front of the clubhouse with the Island green. Uh, There's three greens around this little lake that they have. Um, so it's, it's definitely the one that they, they pay more attention to the greens, as we said, uh, while crunchy, they still ran true. Um, they were, they were still mighty fast, uh, I think faster than the South greens. Um, so it was a little difficult, um, especially coming off of the South course. Well, let's um, talk about the pin locations that we experienced between both courses. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand what that all right someone could speak on this if one of the if anybody knows the soups to Terralago, but i mean not one hole placement was on a flat part of a green the entire 36 holes every single hole was placed either on a corner of a green or on a severe slope i mean it was absolutely ridiculous i mean like you said the greens were turned up rolling really true, rolling pretty quick, which made it 10 times harder to sink any putts, you know, uh, on, on a lot of these greens, unless you were within, you know, 10, 10 feet or in. It, it was, even then, these sliders were just deadly throughout the entire 36 that we played. I mean, it was crazy. Didn't mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Chris, but... No, I mean, I, I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, whoever put those pin locations in, I mean, I remember, I can't remember which hole, but I, I'm pretty sure this pin was, I think it was, I think it was the ninth hole on the south course, the hardest hole that we've already talked about. The pin was about two paces on from a 10 foot deep bunker. I mean, you're in that bunker, you're screwed. A- absolutely. Because if you go over, you're in the aqueduct. So, I mean... I think it's it's low key one of the hardest courses I've ever played. Both of them. Oh, I mean, I think we all came away from that. I would say, you know, both Terralago courses were, you know, two of the hardest tests of golf we we've all experienced. And to be honest, and it's not a test. It wasn't so difficult to the point where we were just like, that was just miserable. I didn't enjoy it. It was it was awful it was so difficult to the point where my mind can't stop thinking about 
a lot of the golf that we experienced out there. And I want to go back to be able to tackle some of the horrible shots that I, that I made throughout our 36 holes out there. So it, it's not all golf that's really difficult is bad and it beats you up and it, it makes you feel like you never want to experience that again. I mean, I've definitely played courses like that where it's just like, Nope, I'm good. This is, it's just not even fun where I did not get that at Terra Lago. I mean, Jack, speak on, speak on that. Like I know me and you both, both had a rough go at the 36 out there. Uh, what would you say, you know, as, as someone that struggled out there with me, like, what would you say was the hardest part about, about the golf courses? Uh, the hardest part was not having any sense of what I could do on the tee. I felt like my driver was pretty erratic, but, um, so that's a personal problem, not a golf course, not a golf course problem. Completely fine with me. Um, I think the hardest parts of it were, I would say looking at the overviews, um, including the one you can't see the screen we have, but we have an overview of the Island green, uh, and of the finishing 18, there's like some really tough spots there where it's like, I think one of you guys said earlier, like it gets really narrow to where sometimes you don't, it looks like you don't even have an option of what you're going to do. Um, the pin on that Island green was, um, it's pretty treacherous. It's like somebody it was maybe like three or four paces off of the front, the bunker on it. And I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think it's just some some of the narrow parts there were pretty treacherous. Um, but to, just to echo what you said, it was definitely one of those places where, like, for me, my thought was, you know, I'm just going to enjoy the moment, which I did every single shot, every single hole that we all played together, um, except for Rams Hill, because, you know, Big Chris had to miss that one. But I enjoyed every single moment of it. And, you know, I wish I could have brought my A game there because I felt like it would have been much more fun but um you know to be able to like ashton was saying with with soul park like to have those options of like how you would want to play uh you know how you would want to play a hole um so i think it was it was definitely some good challenges there and would would love to go back um and the greens were definitely disappointing on the north course i think um, there were definitely spots where it was like you could see it was almost like a, a flat crabgrass on the green. And I thought that was kind of annoying at points. There were definitely some putts that I had where like it would roll over one of those spots and just kind of jump. And you're like, you know, like, okay, like I'm playing the golf course, but this is just kind of crappy conditions. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some good challenges there. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have much complaints in terms of, um, you know, aside from the greens being bumpy and crabby. Also, yeah. sorry, one, one other take. I didn't notice this until, like, let me look real quick. I think the only parts where I can remember seeing that it was a resort course were 16, 17, and 18 on the north course. I was thinking about this because I blew two drives on 16 into the parking lots. 
multiple parking lots. <laughs> and that was the first time I was like, holy shit, like, this is supposed to be a resort course, but I haven't seen a single, you know, condominium, single, you know, hotel or whatever. And like looking at the overheads, it's definitely, I think that's one of the cooler parts of it is like, it's a resort course that you can get lost at and not be thinking about like, you know, your hotel or whatever, which that's what I thought was the interesting part was like, or rather that's, that was what I thought was resort course. It was like all these condominiums, you know, pools that are going to be out there, people watching you play golf. There wasn't any of that until 16, 17, 18 on the North course. Yeah, there's a little bit on 17, 18 of the South because um, there was a there's kind of a gated community of homes. Uh, when you drove past the clubhouse, you go right into the gated community. And the one thing is the course is kind of built around that and it didn't wasn't built on it. So you really didn't experience it until maybe two of the last holes on on the south and you really didn't experience it until like you said you know the last three holes on the north so it was it was really nice to be considered a resort course and it had two separate you know housing developments for you know resort stays and things like that and you didn't really experience that while while playing out there so that was that was one thing so just before we transition into rams hill um Ash, what would you sum it up? A couple words. What would you say uh, your thought on Terralago was? Exceeded expectations. I mean, Hussy. Exceeded expectations. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. And Jack? I would definitely go back. Yeah, for sure. Ash, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you going to say after, after that? No, I, I just didn't know how long you wanted me to go. Yeah, I mean, it just. I was expecting cushy resort golf and what I got was um, one of the most challenging courses I've played, which was incredibly thought provoking. And especially too, I mean, we'll talk about this a bit with Rams Hill. I will try to be concise when we talk about that, but price does matter. And especially talking about, you know, 80 ish bucks for for what we got at Terra Lago. Um, and 80 for 36 holes, not, not just not with, the cart. with the cart. Yeah. It was 36 holes with our personal cart for the entire day. Yeah. And I will say, I know that, uh, most of us in this group like to walk, you need to take a cart, but I think all I'm saying is like for, for the value, for the course, for, um, just go play it. Like, yeah, the South course isn't perfect. Don't get hung up. Yeah, the North Course greens aren't perfect. Don't get hung up. You can get the golf golf moose deal, eighty bucks. Go play it, um, and strap in because you're probably going to want a double pour of whatever you're sipping on that night because it's a yeah. You just got to hit, go hit a bunch of good golf shots. That's going to get vaporized. Definitely, definitely. And I I can't remember the name of the pizza place. I oh it was pull was it Polo Pizza. Polo Pizza. Polo Pizza. Man, what a way to end our night after that round. We went and we went. I, I kind of, my wife has always told me, and I, I would definitely agree a little bit. I'm a little bit of a savant when it comes to finding, you know, hole-in-the-wall places. Uh, and my buddies can contest to this on when it comes to golf courses. Um, I, I'm this way kind of when it comes to restaurants as well. 
I, I did myself a little bit of research, came up with this polo pizza right on the polo grounds uh, there in Palm Springs in, or closer to Indio. And it was absolutely incredible. We had caramelized onion, uh, buffalo mozzarella, date pizza. That was just, I, if you're not a traditionalist when it comes to pizza, you'll absolutely love this place. They do have your traditional pizza that you can get as well, but they were definitely more leaning towards some of the some of the great little specialty pies that they had but damn that was that was also a great way to end our you know little little thing and um, great that night unfortunately me with my tooth issue that I ended up having that night I did not get any sleep throughout the night so I had to skip Rams Hill everybody else was able to get a good solid eight hours that night got up got to play went out to Rams Hill that morning I'm going to hand that guy off to Ash since unfortunately I stayed back that day and wasn't able to experience what they experienced at Rams Hill. So Ash. Oh, thank you. Actually, you know what, Hussey, would you mind being the Sherpa for Rams Hill? I'm going to chime in. I'm going to aggressively work to not be verbose since you drove us. Yeah. Sherpa, could you lead us please? So from our, um, our vacation uh, house in India it was about an hour and 20 minute drive south uh, by the by the Salton Sea and through the dune buggy uh, ATV paradise of thousands of RVs um, and eventually get to Rams Hill in the Borrego Springs, um, uh, the town of Borrego Springs. And as soon as you you, you, you drive in, it's uh, you know you're in a really, really fancy place. Uh, for some reason, I didn't know it was a country club that was catered to the really, really rich people of San Diego, which is exactly what it was. In the parking lot, a beautiful brand new blue McLaren, uh, need I say more? I mean, it was it was ritzy. You showed up, um, you know, the nicest golf carts with great GPS. Uh, you walk in. Um, you pay $130 for a round, uh, because, uh, Chris had his, uh, dental emergency. Uh, they still charged us 130 bucks for his round, uh, onto a gift card, but we were able to use that, um, on merch and things. Um, and yeah, Tom Fazio designed course, you know, he's apparently the king of, of resort style, you know, opulent manufactured courses. Um, you know, and, and all the photos that, you know, I think, uh, you know, chime in everyone that we've seen from, you know, uh, the golfer's journal, um, you know, Friday from other publications, you know, Rams Hill was supposed to be this amazing, you know, desert course kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I think, um, they didn't mention the amount of homes that were going to be on parts of the course. Um, you know, the photos, rightfully so, you're going to take photos of the most beautiful landscape and, 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 and exclude all the homes. But I think there were a fair amount of homes um, that we weren't really uh, um, expecting to see. Um, but yeah, uh, Ash, what did, what did you think? So the way I'll talk about Rams Hill and I've gotten different reactions to this is I'll talk about French laundry. So when you go to French laundry, you expect perfection, right? You're paying 300, 
$400. You're expecting the fresh ingredients. You are expecting impeccable service. You're expecting wine pairings that take your flavor profile that you're eating to the next level, right? And why do you expect that? You're expecting it because the French Laundry is portraying themselves in their marketing, in their social media, in every single thing about them, including their price. They're telling you that this place is different and you are going to have a truly transformative experience where it doesn't really matter what you pay. You're going to be talking about that meal, that experience, that service in every single way. If you go back and listen to last week's podcast, you know, I talk about Adair Manor and I talk about a couple places, but what I also say in that moment is for those of us in this group, we all ascribe more to kind of the core Crenshaw model of like, we like golf that is discovered. We like golf that is more found like, wow. Like, I, you know, golf that is sort of like you're experiencing that like the architects are more finding as opposed to creating and signing up for Rams Hill, Afazio, the pictures to Huzzy's point, it's manufactured, but I'm okay with that because what Rams Hill is portraying to the world is you are getting unbelievable customer service. You're getting, they literally in the middle of the club, in the middle of the pro shop, they have a trophy that has, that says they were the best conditioned course in the state of California with multiple awards on there. So you're expecting impeccable customer service and pristine conditions. And my issue with Rams Hill was that is not what we got, both on kind of customer service and on conditions. And I will say, you know, Hussey made this point and I appreciate him so much as a friend to say this. Me, him and Jack had a great day. We had a really, really fun day. Weather was great. Competition was fun. Overall, the course was was great. But my problem with the day was um, that what we got was, again, the customer service was lacking. Happy to provide examples. Um, like one example I'll tell you, I'll say is, you know, I personally, I understand it. I think the fact that they like effectively made us pay for Chris's tea time after a medical emergency, I don't like that. I can understand it in theory. It bothers me. Another example is at the turn, you go to the quote ramshack where they give you air quotes, free tacos, not free tacos. You're paying $130 to play golf. And they're like two bite tacos, not free. Um, I tried to buy two White Claws. First of all, White Claws are $9 a piece. I expect that. It's a resort course. But their internet didn't work. And we stood there for five minutes. And I was worried about pace of play. And the guy goes, like, do you have cash? I was like, no. He takes back the White Claw. It's like, at a place like Rams Hill, like, first of all, the internet should work. And you should allow me to purchase alcohol. Or if not, you just give me one of the White Claws and say, hey, sorry, this is on us. But so the, the hospitality is one piece, but the bigger thing to me that was egregious was the conditioning because these guys can attest to it. There was several fairways that were like, effectively it was like sand and fertilizer. And there was also like, it felt like they had dramatically overwatered the course. And I know that's being nitpicky because like you're trying to build a lush green golf course in the middle of the desert, but that's also what you're portraying to the world. So that was my big issue is for what they charged us it just didn't live up to expectations. And on top of that, one thing like Chris, even though he didn't play, can chime in on, when we booked our rate, 
our rate was $110. They emailed Chris two weeks before and said, your rate is now 130. First of all, I believe that they should have kept our rate at the, like they shouldn't, any new rates booked at 130, keep it 130. But don't raise our rate because you've decided to change your rates. And also to say the more more important thing, do not charge me $130 when you have messed up fairways. Because we found out looking on golf reviews after the fact that they had an issue with some sort of fungus in the fairway that's been going on since October. Well, when they emailed Chris about the rates going up, wouldn't it have been helpful to tell us that the fairways have been messed up? And in our case, we're coming from the Bay Area. The Bay Area. For those of you who don't know, that is nine, eight, nine hours no, from to Rams Hill. So nine hours from Palm Springs, uh, ten and a half almost from Rams Hill. So, and Chris built our entire itinerary around Rams Hill. So we drove for effectively ten hours one way. I mean, we stopped, but we built the entire itinerary around Rams Hill. And you are not telling your clientele who you know, as Hussey pointed out is largely people from other places that you've had an issue. And look, I'm not trying to rip the super, like stuff happens. I don't, I don't know grass. I don't know. I can understand like fungal stuff. Like it sounds weird to say, but like stuff happens. Right. But like, maybe don't charge us $130, maybe charge us half. Like there is a review that I'll pull up right now that I thought best encapsulated what we're talking about because ultimately like it just didn't feel like we got what we paid for. So this review M Stephen W, you're not going to listen to this. So, but I'll give you credit in case you do. Thank you for saying this review. This was on March 1st on golf pass. He said three stars Rams Hill review. I have played this course every year for 10 years. It is in the poorest condition I have seen. The rates were the highest in 10 years while the conditions were the poorest. Greens putted fine, but were inconsistent as to firmness and acceptability to good shots. I heard from local friends they overseeded earlier than usual, and this maybe contributed to the dead area and fairways and spotty conditions of greens. I love the layout of I love the layout and atmosphere of Rams Hill. If the conditions next year are what was the norm of years past, then the greens fees would be appropriate. The present condition of the course, I would compare to a decent public course in the $60 range. I think everyone on this podcast who played there would agree that is exactly our experience. So what's frustrating to me is I don't actually knock them for the conditioning. What I don't appreciate, though, is the lack of transparency around what's happening. Because at least for me, like these guys can attest, I I was out of my mind on the back nine. I'm hitting every, I'm literally hitting the ball right down the middle of every fairway. And I'm hitting off this sandy shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, it would have been better for me to be in the rough than the fairway when you've driven 10 hours and your homie is at home with his tooth screwed up, trying to get back to his wife. And you're, you're, you're trying to, you're just, you just want the course that you've built your entire course, your entire day around your entire trip around. That's telling you that they're the French laundry of golf courses to be excellent. So I'll put a pin in that. I want to hear what you guys think, but that was my frustration. We had a great day. It's just the course for what they portray themselves as in social media. And more importantly, just be honest with your clientele, right? We're having agronomy issues. This is not the norm. We're going to give you $70, $80 green fee. Would love to have you come back when it's in good condition. 
who just love the transparency. And maybe for us, we're saying, hey, we're going to hold off. We're going to come back when it's pristine. Super excited to do that. I just would have appreciated the transparency. I know that sounds like a work conversation, but in this moment where we're spending time, effort, energy, resources, I'm not going to lie. I don't want to go back to Rams Hill because of the, again, we had a great time. I cannot wait to get to Soul Park. I don't ever need to go to Rams Hill again. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll use a couple of Bay Area, Bay Area examples. Um, Baylands, Moffitt Field, Pasatiempo, all three different types of courses. All of them I've experienced when they would put a message on their booking your tea time uh, part of their website that they tell you like they're punching the greens, which is super cool. They're like, hey, we're dropping the rates a little bit. Baylands doesn't really do it that much, but the rest of them, they say, you know, our rates are dropping because for the next couple of weeks, we're punching the greens. And it's like such a simple thing, but everyone here knows, every golfer knows how terrible of an experience it is to play on punch screens. And these courses, except with the exception of Pasa Tempo, they don't market themselves the same way as Rams Hill. And I think my point with that is, like you said, Ash, like customer service and transparency, Rams Hill to me was like over marketed. Because if you look online, it's just like all these great photos of like people having fun, greatest course conditions, and, you know, everybody just like having a good time hitting greens, hitting holes in ones. And you're just like, oh man, cool. Like, we want to fucking go there. Like, this is what we want to experience. But then to that guy's point on the golf pass review, it's like they've been having this problem for six fucking months and they had zero things online to say about it. And I mean, I, I kind of, I guess I was pretty divorced from that up until we were all talking about it, like, you know, on the car ride back, but it was pretty amazing. Like, you know, afterwards the disappointment really set in for me because one, like I had a great time with you and Chris, like, like you said, the rounds were fun. We had some pretty fun shots and, you know, had some crazy experiences with the golf that we were playing, but I, I distinctly remember, I think it was on 18, you hit this bomb drive that was like 10 yards ahead of me. And my my drive, which was, you know, 10 to 15 yards shorter than yours, had a better lie because you landed in that whatever fungus or overseeding that they had on the fairway. <laughs> and like, I think Hussey pointed it out, like we were driving up to it. And he was like, I think you're on that shit, man. And I could just tell you were like so pissed at that by that point because we didn't really I didn't really see it probably not until nine or ten. And like I thought about the rest of the holes, I was like, man, I looked at my card, I was like, oh man, I played pretty well on the front nine. And then I was like, oh wait, there are some like weird spots on the greens like that we put it off of. But yeah, I, I mean, I was pretty divorced from that fact, but like thinking about it. And, you know, having the the clubhouse experience was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. But then everyone's just kind of, <laughs> they're just kind of like the customer service was pretty apathetic to the customers that were there. I feel like they were kind of like that unless you were really a member, you know, which was like, it was just kind of crappy, man. Like people come here, like you're marketing yourself to, 
not just people in San Diego at this point, like you're, you know, you have a global audience, like there's not that many people that play golf in the world. Like they're going to hear about you because of the way that, you know, you're published on, like you said, golfer's journal, you're published on all these different things, but like have the decency to tell your audience that like, Hey, our course is kind of fucked up right now. It's not that bad, but there's a fucking fungus. Like, you know, like you said, like, here's a discount, discounted rate or whatever it is, like the nerve to even, you know, bump up the rates, especially because you're, you're kind of in a, and it wasn't like, it really wasn't to me that bad of a condition. It was just, I think what I told you guys was like the spots that you want to be on, on the fairway were crap. 18 was a prime example for that. And I think was 18 and I think 14 and sorry I'm just looking at my scorecard I think nine or no nine was was and on top of 14 all around because it was it was like a, a long par four around the green at 14 they had also overwatered. so on top of yes. that like you're gonna miss the green and then you've got like a wet chip and like I mean, come on. And then like 11, the downhill par five, I had hybrid, hybrid. I've got like a wet chip. I mean, you guys saw, I mean, I'm not the best golfer, but I like almost, I chunk shanked a chip because I was off like wet sand. It's just tough when you're paying $130. And then you played, and then also we're not, we're the prime example. We just played Soul Park where none of that happened. And we can play Soul Park four times for what you're charging us. I, th- I think 14 was like the one, one of the lies where I was, I hit the fairway, but I was in like that. Uh, my ball was literally on the, on the collar of a bunker, but on the, like right next to the fairway. And I had a better lie than you did, which was, that was like pretty tough to see. So I, I think I would say, you know, like you said, the layout was great. Definitely. Um, it'd be pretty interesting if I live closer I'd probably drive out there on a weekend to try it again if once the conditions are better but like living in the bay area coming from here and then like seeing their customer service experiencing their customer service I I don't really for me I don't think it's worth it it's definitely over marketed which was super disappointing yeah I think over marketed um uh you know we're paying for something that's supposed to be of an amazing quality, best best playing conditions in Southern California. Uh, you know, I think it was two years in a row that they won that trophy. Uh, that was definitely not the case. Uh, there are, you know, public courses here in the Bay Area that are better. Granted, they are in a desert, so I'm sure it's a little bit more difficult. But what you're, what you guys have said, it's, it, you know, some of that transparency would have been uh, much more appreciated. Um, regardless, I think. You know, you, me, sorry, Ash, Jack, myself, I think we shot our best scores the trip at Rams Hill. Um, you know, we had a great time. You know, there was one par five where all three of us uh, uh, made birdie. Uh, Jack almost broke a hole, literally. Um, he almost holed out for Eagle. Um, and Ash almost uh, made Eagle, but lipped out. Um, in part because of Jack's uh, disruption of, of the hole itself. Um, so I think, you know, if the fairways had been 
in the condition that they say they are usually in, I think it would have been justified price-wise. Um, but it, it doesn't have the same mystique and, uh, and, and I'll, defer, uh, I'll never really want to go back there to play. But we had a great time regardless. And uh, that's why I got a head cover. So. Yeah. And, and Big Chris, you can, even though you didn't join us, you can chime in because I had not, I mean, I, I'd heard a lot about Ramsell, but you said that you had heard about it almost as like a Shadow Creek, right? Because I think that context is helpful. Because I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, we built the trip around Ramsell, correct? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they're both Fazio courses. So Shadow Creek and Rams Hill are both Fazio courses. From what I've heard, it was supposed to be similar vibes. You're sp- it was supposed to be this kind of, so it was kind of this, you know, place built where it wasn't supposed to be built. It was supposed to be this incredible landscape that just had this lush green land built into it. And, and it was supposed to be just an experience you know, outside of any other. And when you guys came back and kind of had, you know, low, like, I don't know, your, your vibes just weren't, weren't as high as I, I would have thought they were when you guys came back to the, to the Airbnb. And it kind of bummed me out because, you know, I unfortunately didn't get to experience it, but from what I heard through you guys and, you know, we, we all have very similar you know, things that we want in a golf course when we go and visit them. It was, it was sad to hear that because from everybody and every source that I, that I did research and and heard from, it was supposed to be this pristine, you know, piece of land out, out in the middle of nowhere that was just supposed to be, you know, a Mecca for golf. And it just fell short for you three, which made me really sad because we planned the, you know, I had two routings on this trip. <clears throat> One of them was because we were going to do San Diego and we were going to do Camp Pendleton because our boy Jack here is ex-military and we we're going to go play a military track, which I thought would have been really, really fun and experience that none of us really have gotten to experience, uh, which is if anybody's I, myself, uh, living in Sacramento, there's a few military courses out there that I got to experience, and they, they weren't the highest-end military courses, but military courses are very cool and, and different compared to what you can experience at a lot of other places. But I built that whole routing around Rams Hill as well, and we were going to go down to San Diego, cut over to Rams Hill, and then cut back up and drive back home. And then when that one kind of fell through because of COVID was they weren't really allowing us to go on to base and, and have visitors at those military bases. So we, we changed it up and went Palm Springs. So I it, everything, you know, revolved around it and I was really stoked about it. And then when it, you guys came back with low spirits about it, it just completely bummed me out. And I wish, I, I wish there was better experiences there. And hopefully if any of us are ever in uh, SoCal again or near it and get to experience it the way it should be, I, I hope that it that we do, one of us gets to, but 
I'm not going to make the efforts to go down to Rams Hill from what you guys experienced. I mean, for anybody that, that knows where it's at, if you live in San Diego, it's two and a half to three hour drive from San Diego. If you're in Palm Springs, it's an hour and a half. So it, it's legitimately near not one thing. It is, is all by itself. It's in its lonesome. It's, it's absolutely isolated. And that's the biggest issue with it. Like you guys were talking about, you pay 130 bucks to play this place. You drive an hour and a half from Palm Springs to go play it three hours round trip. And it just falls short. It's just, it's just, that's, that's just not how, how it should go. And it's sad. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy to me that like, I'm looking at an article from, what is this, August, and it's from the Augusta Chronicle. And it's like, Rams Hill is number six on their best courses of, in California to play. And so that there's all these... August. Yeah. And again, it's just, there's so many, you know, there's all these accolades about them. And, you know, I'm sure they're in like Golf Digest top courses to play or golf magazines top courses to play and i don't know man it just sucks that they're not transparent about how their course is really playing especially you know now that it seems like there's a lot of places that are opening like opening up because of covid i'm sure there's people like us who are like sitting at home looking up different courses that we want to go to once quarantine is done and like you know, they've probably popped up on top tens of these different lists and you're just like, wow, it's it's definitely over marketed. It's kind yeah, of the and, same and, Oh, go for it, Chris. Sorry, I was just gonna say and I'll, I'll give it to him. There were some things that were really great about the course. Pro V1, Pro V1X practice balls at the range. Never done that before. Really nice. Doesn't matter. I don't know. Um, but the routing, there's some holes in there that really made you think too. There are a lot of bunkers. Bunkers had really nice sand in them. You know, you could actually hit a quality bunker shot um, and, and have things spin and stick. But, you know, on the back nine, there's there's two drivable par fours. The first one, you're like, uh, I don't know. I think I'll just lay up. That's probably the smarter choice. The second drivable par four, even if you laid up, I mean, the sh your approach shot is even tougher. There's bunkers all over that hole. So, you know, all three of us were like, screw it, we're just going to go for the green. And it turned out probably to be the better decision because you just had higher odds of actually getting onto the green. Um, it was interesting. Um, I can see why it's supposed to be really great, but it just wasn't there for us right now. Yeah, it's kind of kind of the same feeling I have for all of us that play um, golf in the city. It's kind of how we all feel about the difference between, between what people portray Harding Park and Presidio. You know, a lot of people think that Harding Park is the gem of, of San Francisco. And to be honest, most people that live in the city would choose Presidio 10 times over Harding Park. And, and that's, I mean, you could speak of that, Ash. You just played Harding Park today. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where it's, because they've held now a PGA championship and they've, they've held, you know, things, you know, other tournaments in the past, it, it has that prestige. So they, they charge 
what they charge. And I'm not saying that their, their conditions aren't good because, you know, when I've been out at Harding, the conditions are always in really good shape for the most part, you know, other than being a public course and no, you know, every person doesn't replace, replace their uh, ball marks, which drives me nuts. Um, but Presidio is just always in prime shape. It's a much more interesting track. It's much more enjoyable to play. And it, you anybody that lives in the area would skip the course that hits all of the rating lists. And so if I could tell anybody based on what we learned on this trip is don't always go based on people's rating lists. Don't go on the top 100s. Don't, don't go based off of what you might hear from every other, every other person that you might think of, because the last trip that I planned, I, just randomly pick these two courses, Cypress Ridge and Monarch Dunes, and they end up being absolutely incredible golf courses for us to play on that trip. And I wouldn't say you'd find either one of those courses on anybody's top list, let alone most people, even in California, knowing about them or talking about them. But I would Definitely, if somebody asked me a top 50 list, you know, for if I was to put up a top 50 list in California, I'd probably put both of those courses on that list from what I've experienced myself. So, you know, recommendations from locals is great, but do your own research and and kind of, you know, rely on Google and Google Maps and stuff. And you'll come across some just true gems by using your your intuition and and kind of picking out some some great things. And this course was the most expensive course on our entire trip as well, by about double, um, if not triple almost. Triple. Pretty much triple because every round, if we broke it down, even Terralago was about 40 to $50 max per round. So we, we didn't it's incredible the golf that we got to play for the prices that we got to play and for Rams Hill to be triple the cost of the other courses that we played. It's just, it's absurd why you'd pay that much when there's so much great golf out there to play. And when, just so you guys know um, to all of our listeners, when I plan these trips, my, my main goal on these trips is for travel expenses um, gas, food, lodging, and golf. My goal is always to be between six and eight hundred dollars per person. Which, if you've ever done a four-day trip anywhere, not even just including golf, that's a really difficult thing to accomplish. So I definitely pride myself on making these very affordable. And, and that's what public golf actually gives you as well as the, the amount of great experiences you can have and how affordable it actually is if you spend the time to find you know find these true gems out there so it, to to squeeze that one in and make our our trip that much more expensive and be that big of a letdown sucks because our expensive course last time on our last trip was sandpiper that was a hundred dollars around and our expectations were met and exceeded I would say on that course, um, I, we were so hyped and we got so much hype from everyone else about that course and all the other different channels out there. 
and sandpiper lived completely up to it the conditions were prime the for the hundred dollar rate right on the ocean and the you know the the views and experiences that you got it made a hundred it made all the sense of why it was a hundred dollars around to play there where rams hill is in the middle of nowhere in the desert which can be beautiful but this place is kind of, I mean, just complete flat desert area. And it's just kind of for the, you know, money they're charging and the experience that they promise. It's just unfortunately sad to hear that it was such a, such a fucking letdown and it sucks. I mean, well, well and if you want to play the game of like, let's just like do a quick stack rank. Like let's take the cheapest course we played soul park and compare it to Rams Hill, Hussey and Jack. Soul Park, Rams Hill. What do you pick? It's Soul Park, hands down. Yeah, Jack. Soul Park. Okay, let's now let's go the course we knew the least. Terralago. Didn't know much about it. Like, couldn't say I was excited to play. I wasn't not excited, but Terralago, either one or Rams Hill. Personally, I pick either Terralago course over Rams Hill as well. Forgetting value, right? So it's like, yep. I would actually, with this in mind, I think the course we built our trip around is actually number five on our list. And again, like, I'm not like, we didn't have a bad trip. We had a great trip. Can't wait for our next one. But like sand to Chris's point, Sandpiper was like, circle it. It's Friday afternoon. We're hyped. We were never not hyped. Like it was a great experience. And I think to have it where it's like the trip we built our entire trip around have it be number five on the list behind like a $34 round course combined by a resort course that like we never heard of before. Just it's a tough scene for, for Rams Hill, you know, hate that, hate that, hate that, hate that for Rams Hill. I'll, I'll say and, this, you know, go ahead. Hudson. Go ahead, Jack. It, we can cut this out if this isn't something that you guys want to put on the pod, but I feel like a lot of the influencers on Instagram and, and again, this is, or sorry, not again, but I think my perception of Rams Hill was very, um, tainted. Was not tainted, but it was very driven by, you know, Colt Nedler was the first, Colt Nedler had a trip down there with a couple of his friends and, you know, they looked like they had a great time. I think they did play 36 at Rams Hill or something. And, you know, like the course looked great. And the fact that him and his friends were having fun, I was like, oh, man, that looks like a great course to play. And then, you know, over the last two years, it's just been popping up and popping up on my feed. And I feel like none of the influencers that I've ever seen who or none of the influencers that I ever see on social media who talk about courses don't ever say anything bad or not even just bad, but honest about the courses they play. And I feel like that's kind of irresponsible. And that's one thing that I think really disappointed me about Rams Hill was like, nobody was honest enough to be like, yo, like, you know, and it, and it was part of their problem too. It was like, nobody was honest enough about the course conditions. And then the, the one thing that tied to that was when we were looking at all those golf pass reviews, their general manager's reply was literally copy pasted on every single comment on golf pass about like their course course conditions or whatever it was like 
literally copy and paste of the same responses. And that's just like, so disappointing that people just don't want to talk honestly about their product, especially if it's a product like Ash said, we're spending time, resources and money on to go to, especially, you know, like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not their, their customer base. Like I'm not the person who's going to just drop like $2,000 on a weekend package or whatever. Like we plan our trips accordingly to how much we can spend on a golf trip. And it's, it's, that's definitely the disappointing part is like, you're not just marketing to those, you know, your client base, like you're marketing to everyone else who can actually go to your course, especially because you're a semi-private course. Yeah. I mean, speaking to that, Jack, I think part of me starts to think that they don't really care about people like, like guests. It's more about their members. I mean, we played during their member guest uh, tournament outing. Um, and I think, um, you know, Ash, myself and Jack show up, you know, they can tell we're not members. And so we're going to be treated differently. Sure. We got the, uh, you know, apple cinnamon, you know, cookie at the end, which was great and all, but okay, thanks. After paying $130, the least we could get was a cookie and two tacos. Um, you know, I'll never forget when we got back to the Airbnb, big Chris comes downstairs all excited and goes, where would you rather play? Ramsilla Terralago. And we all looked at each other and said, Terralago for sure. And I think that just kind of is the nail in the coffin about Rams Hill. It's like, I'd rather go and play a course called Terralago that we got on golf news over you know, this famed mystique, mysterious course named Rams Hill. So, yeah, I mean, let down, but all in all, our trip was just wonderful. I mean, this, these group of guys, I mean, I, every time I go out with these guys, it's, it's a great time. We, we just get along so well. Um, and it, it's just enjoyable, no matter if we're just going out locally or if we're going on any of these trips, it's always, always a good time, no matter the golf course experiences that we have. Um, to end the pod this, this week, I want to see where everybody's playing. Uh, what, what do you guys got on the docket this week for, uh, for some golf? Let's start with Ash. I believe uh, I got to double check the calendar, but I think I will be playing at Chardonnay golf course with uh, Mr. Hussey this Sunday. Um, and if I'm not playing with him, I'm not playing at all, but I think I will be playing with uh, Mr. Hussey on, uh, on Sunday at Chardonnay. A little, little Napa action going on with Hussey and, uh, and Ashton. Chris, do you have any other rounds going on besides that Sunday round? No, uh, you know, we, we, uh, Ash and I are part of the NorCal golf guys. Shout out to those guys. Uh, that's where we got our NC, NCGA handicap and, uh, they have a tournament out there in April. And so we're, we're kind of doing a practice round, um, just to, just to get things dialed in, get to know the course a bit better. Cause it is a tough course out there, uh, in Napa. Um, I'm not a fan of Chardonnay, the wine itself, but I'm, I'm a big fan of the course. Um, and we're great, going out there with our, with, with our, with old sage, uh, Marcus Chang, uh, who's, uh, who's going to kick our asses. Who, who shot 68 apparently like cool Marcus, like cool. Yeah. You're giving me Good shots. My guy. Marcus gets, Marcus is like wine. He gets better with age. 
So um, he is, he's definitely the perfect person to golf at a winery. Um, so he's going to do, uh, the Mar- he's going to hear that into the Marcus cackle. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our boy Marcus is a stick. This guy is, is just an absolute gunner when it comes to his golf. He's, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, Jack, what do you got on doc this week? Well, Chardonnay sounds like fun. So if y'all got that fourth fourth spot open, I'd love to join on Sunday. But uh, me and Big Chris over here are taking out his new irons on Friday at a Cabrera. <laughs> yeah, he's he's literally building this right in front of my face today. I was pretty hilarious, like walking into him doing that when I got my uh, my putter cut and regrip. But a uh, shout out to Big Chris Golf Mart Dublin uh, for the hookup Wait. there. New irons. New irons. I mean, yeah. I shouldn't be surprised, but what the fuck? So Cobra, Cobra came out with this full copper limited edition set. So I oh, decided the, the Ricky Fowler, the ones that look impossible to hit. No, I so I went with the 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 Tor Mims, which are like cavity back forged iron that they have. So. Are, are you supposed to be sponsored by Wilson by now? No, no, no. That was that it. If me and the wife weren't moving to Portland here in a little while, um, I would I would have taken on the ambassadorship of Wilson and had a full bag of Wilson right now, which I'm sure many listeners are probably like, Cortex is, Chris, is, Cortex is Chris. Dude, is dude serious? He's trying to do a, a driver-to-driver um, challenge with a Brian Erlacher driver in his bag, but Cortex no. Chris. It, Cortex Chris. I'm sorry. Even if I took that ambassadorship, I would have. It would have been iron strictly if if I was to play anything Wilson. Um, but yeah, no, I I couldn't pass up these. They're they're fucking gorgeous. So yeah, I was building those today, throwing in my graphite Fujikura shafts in there. Um, Chris, this but, is a serious question. How are you ever supposed to get dialed in on clubs? Well, I have my I have my staple set, so I've got my MP20 HMBs. They're they're okay. dialed. They're they're good to go. They're always my my trusties. But I just I love to tinker. I love to play with new new shit. So it's just and you know what? Like to be honest, my my game probably would get better if I stuck around with something and and definitely you know dialed them in completely and got got used to them but yeah i i like to go back and forth with stuff so it it is what it is and, and your tooth would stay in your mouth if you didn't eat candy but you gotta eat those watermelon those watermelon candies you know like hey i got it i got to take care of too far too far. i got i got taken care of anyways yeah me and me and jack playing a creek this week we got an rgc meetup going on out there our boy kanan organized it we got about 24 people teeing off starting to tee off at 9 30 so it's gonna be a good time at karika um gonna have like always gonna have a bunch of new stuff in the bag and see, we'll see how it goes out there but it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time um my high school golf team that i coach so i'm a high school golf coach out here in the bay area um we start in the next couple weeks so um i have a girls tournament tomorrow Uh, unfortunately we don't have 
uh, because of COVID, it's hard to reach out to the girls and get people drummed up to come out for the team. So I'm a little shorthanded this year with some of the girls coming out to play for that. But I have a full squad coming out for the boys. So pretty, pretty excited about that and get, getting started with the, the high school squad. So, all right, fellas. Well, thanks just, for... I just want to say, Chris, thank you so much for organizing this whole trip. I mean, it, it was it was wonderful. I'm, I'm, I had I had a really great time despite four hours of sleep, two nights in a row, and and literally thinking my eyes were going to fall out of my my head. Uh, thank you. I, I like this is the first like real golf trip that I've been on with friends, and um, I had a blast. So I appreciate Amen. it. Real. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I mean, these golf trips are some of my my favorite things to do and plan and, and organize. So it's an absolute pleasure to do it for you guys. That I mean, uh, it's a learning experience. This was only the second one that I've done. So definitely, I think we found out the, the ideal cadence is an 18, 36, 18, um 36 or flip that and do 36 you know, drive the whole night 36 18 36 18 um and we've definitely figured out you just need to have one day either at the beginning or at the end dedicated to to driving and, yeah, and sleep whichever and sleep, end, is, sleep is key sleep is key so and don't have too much driving in between so the best thing you can do is is plan a trip where the maximum amount of driving you're going to do in one day is an hour, hour and a half. So you, you really don't want to have more than that. So if you guys are ever playing a, a golf trip, key is less driving, the better get good night sleeps in between 36, 36 holes, because it definitely is, a, is not as fun as you think if you don't have a full night's sleep. So you're you better off playing only 18 you know? to get more sleep. edibles help. So, <laughs> FYI, <laughs> two and, and a half. Two. Yeah. Mm. No. Mm. And we'll end it there. All right, guys. So, thank you for having Husty on. We have producer Jack on again. Ashton, as Too always. Late. Too late. Too late.